to the Land Grant Podcast Network's instant recap show for Ohio State's 23-3 victory over the Indiana Hoosiers on Saturday, September 2nd. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined by Justin Goble, who I think is going to be with me for most of the season, if not all of the season, breaking down every single game on Ohio State's schedule as soon as it is over so that you can relive either the good or bad moments of every single game. Justin, as we get started, this game did not go exactly according to plan, at least from an Ohio State fan perspective. I know you are a little less sky is falling than a lot of the other people on social media right now. What are your general feelings coming out of this game? Um, Yeah, I think, well, I, so maybe it's just the fact that, Matt, I cover the basketball team normally, so... Uh, you've seen your share of people being upset. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm a Chris Holtman defender, so I've been ran off Twitter. You know what I'm saying? So I think at the end of the day, maybe I'm just like scarred so much that I'm just like, ah, I saw a win. So a win's a win. Um, I obviously recognize the 23 to three over Indiana is not what you want in the first game. Um, and I think there's a lot of question marks from, from the game and even like kind of what I know we were just talking about this in the land grant slack of like, what Ryan day said to what they actually did. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, the goal is to go 14 and zero, and they're one and zero. obviously they beat Indiana 28 times in a row. So you expect 29. to beat them 29. Yeah. Okay. That, well, this is that, 29. This was 29. Yeah. yeah this yeah. was 29. Right. Okay. I, as I was walking into my office, I saw that stat pop up and I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a win's a win, but obviously they're, they're going to need to clean some stuff up. Um, I think it's safe to say they're going to be going into the Notre Dame game probably underdogs which would be interesting so yeah we'll we'll Maybe. see what happens i think that'll be, i think that'll it'll be interesting to see that i think especially if if sam hartman keeps looking as good as he does it might be interesting but i think um i did also see someone told me on twitter they're gonna go seven and five i can't quite get behind that one <laughs> um so we'll see yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on yeah, just for clarity, Notre Dame beat Tennessee State, which is an FCS school, by a score of 35-3 to three today. So they only yeah. beat them by 12 points worse than Ohio State beat an in-conference Power 5 Big Ten school. So I don't know that yeah. Notre Dame's uh, record so far against the Eddie George-coached uh, Tennessee State Tigers right, yeah. and, and Navy is really anything that, to inspire too much confidence. But... They did look better uh, from the little bit I had that on a secondary screen, so I was kind of watching that throughout the game. But they did look better than Ohio State. The Buckeyes ended up this game with only 380 yards of total offense, 237 of those coming through the air with 143 on the ground. One of the things you just mentioned kind of talking about what we discussed in our Slack channel was the idea that coming into this game, we expected that both Kyle McCord and Devin Brown would play significant number of snaps. That was not the case. Kyle McCord into the game going 20 for 33 through the air with 239 total yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. But Devin Brown was just one for three for negative two yards, and all three of those pass attempts came in the last minute and change of garbage time. He did get in earlier in the game, but ran. They were all three running plays, including a quarterback keeper. Justin, what were your thoughts about putting aside what Day said earlier in the week? Because I things change. I've been a college coach, not in football, but I've I've coached like the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. I'm also a former English teacher. So like those those things happen. Like you have a plan, you get punched in the mouth. Indiana is looking better on defense than you expected them to. You you change on the fly. But through the game flow that we saw on Saturday, what were your thoughts about the fact that Kyle McCord took 
every single meaningful snap more or less against Indiana. I think the main thing that either I don't, I don't know if I don't like it or it just confuses me is the one drive Devin Brown really did play was after the interception, which it I don't love me. because I don't love that because no, that's now me. that now it looks like even though you said you had a plan of playing both, now it looks like you're putting in Devin Brown because of the interception. And that's where I think you can lose both of them in, the, in that realm. And that's kind of weird. Uh, also, bringing in Devin Brown just to run three running plays and then pull him off the field, that's weird. Yeah. I think maybe there's a world that Kyle McCord just didn't look as good as Ryan Day maybe thought he would. And that's why he's like, okay, we actually need to see how he can play in, in the entire game. Maybe maybe now Devin Brown plays most of the game against Western Kentucky or, or is Youngstown State next? It's Youngstown State next week and yeah, Western okay. Kentucky the following week, which is actually good because Western Kentucky – can chuck the ball around. We're going to talk about Ohio State's defense here in a minute, but like maybe Youngstown State and FCS school next week is when you can actually get some legitimate time for Devin Brown. But again, it's against an FCS school. Does it really mean anything at that point? Right. Yeah. So that's where I just, it seems like just if you, if you didn't listen to anything Brian Day said and you only watched the game today or just looked at the box score, Kyle McCord won this quarterback battle in camp. It's over, but yeah, it's over. yeah. Cause he, I mean, he, there was 36 pass attempts. Kyle McCord took 33 of them, you know? So that's where it's just kind of, I just hope we don't do this thing of kind of what they did in 2015 of every time one guy looks a little better, but then you bring another guy, but then if he struggles, you bring in the other guy and it's just, you just can never find a flow to that. Uh, it's kind of what in, in Indiana did. We can talk about them too. I was apparently I went to when Brandon Soresby, started i went to indiana twitter to see if that was like surprising and apparently it kind of wasn't um but yeah, they, there had been a report earlier in the day from some the like the 24 7 indiana guy that said that soresby was going to start so i i don't think this was like what they expected for weeks but it was expe- expected at least earlier on saturday yeah so that was just i think and I kind of agree with you. I don't think Ryan Day was telling the media, oh, they're both going to play with the with the intention of, no, Kyle McCord's going to play the whole game. There's no benefit to that to anybody. He would have just said, no, Kyle McCord won the battle. He's going to play. I think just throughout the flow of the game, whether he couldn't find, this game went by really fast, you know, I mean, with the new rules and stuff, I think. You know, and Indiana quarter, trying to wind the clock down as much as humanly right. possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Indiana taking down the play clock on a punt in the first quarter. Like, they were trying to limit possessions, so. Honestly, maybe the second quarter just kind of snuck up on him a little bit. And he was like, oh, crap, we got to get Devin Brown in a little bit. The flow of the game just felt kind of off from the beginning. And that happens when you have a, a, a new starter. I think Ryan Day and, you know, obviously the play calling was the big takeaway from the game. I think he was oh, yeah. maybe trying different things that just kind of weren't working. I don't, you know, I don't I don't really know. I mean, they ran the ball 31 times. They did average 4.6 yards a carry, which yeah, I mean, not great. if you do that, it's not great. But if you do that every play, you, you know, you get down the field. So. It was kind of just a weird it, the flow of the game just it never felt like they really got into it. And I think that was why I think it just kind of took maybe them out of their original game plan. And that was kind of what led to McCord playing the whole game. Yeah, it, the the issue to me in this game was not Kyle McCord and his ability to throw the ball. I mean, that he didn't look great, but he I didn't expect him to look like Justin Fields or CJ Stroud or D- Dwayne Haskins. Although I would have I would have preferred that he looked at least something like JT Barrett, which I don't know that he actually did. So that's one thing. But to me, the biggest issue with this game is Ryan Day's insistence on running plays that don't seem to actually be working and then to continue to run them over and over and over again. Why they I, I haven't looked at the snaps. I don't have the breakdown, but it seems like 
three quarters of the running plays were to the boundary, to the short field. And the plays that actually worked pretty well were up the middle and, and where you were giving the guys an opportunity to like pick a hole and get through it quickly instead of stretching the field and going wide and then letting the defense beat the under or the overmatched offensive line to the edge that never seemed to work. And then when McCord finally started cooking in the second half, these were on plays where there were like three step timing drops where he dropped back and then hit Cade on a seam route. Or he immediately got rid of the ball to Marv on that, you know, kind of in a post to the end zone when he stepped out of bounds. Those plays were timing plays. He got rid of it quickly. He knew what he was doing. He didn't have to worry about a rush. Instead, what we called most of the game, kind of just let McCord drop back, survey the field, and he just seemed to not be comfortable doing that. And it just seemed like over and over and over again, we continue to get the same type of plays that Ryan Day settles on when he doesn't know what else to do. We've seen so many times throughout his career where Ryan Day looks like a completely different play caller when you get to the postseason, when he has extra time to really focus on something. Now, it's a little strange because this game, obviously, he's had nine months to prepare for. (laughs) But it's these same kind of safe plays that he feels comfortable with that he's going to keep running whether they work or not. And it's frustrating to me. And I've written literally at this point for more than a year and a half about how Ryan Day needs to give up play calling. And at first, people thought I was crazy. They thought I was an idiot. He said, look at that. Look at his record. Look at the scores. I'm like, yeah, I am. Those are fine. But when it matters, he he goes into a shell. And now, as is often the case here at Land Grant, uh, whether it's on the podcast or on the website, we're usually like a cycle or two ahead of everybody else. And then they catch up with us because we're we actually say the things that other people are thinking, but they can't say them because they are access-based beat reporters and nobody gives a crap about us. So I don't really care if Ryan Day likes what we say about him or not, but we're going to say the truth. Like the play calling sucks. And that was the issue on Saturday for me. We're going to get to the defense because the defense was tremendous for the most part. There was some issues on the on the defensive line that I want to get to, um, but we'll talk about it here in a second. But before we get into all of that, I did want to let you know about this incredible contest that our friends at the Fans First Sports Network have right now. We are a member of the Fans First Sports Network, and if you are a football fan, which I'm sure you are if you're listening to this, you should probably head over to contest.fansfirstsports.com right now. And if you do, you go over there, you type in your email address, you hit enter, you will be registered for a contest that will give you four free tickets to any NFL game of your choice during week one. All you have to do again, go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and you can win four tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice up to $5,000. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to put anything on social media. You don't have to tag a bunch of people. You don't have to get a bunch of likes and follow all these random accounts. Just go to contest.fansfirstsports.com, enter your email, and you're all set. Now, one of the things, Justin, that I have a problem with with this game plan is is you have the two best wide receivers in the country, and not just the two best teammate wide receivers. I firmly believe that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka are wide receiver one and wide receiver two in the country. They combined for a total of 12 targets, not a lot. I would like each of them to have that, but only five receptions for a total of 34 yards. Not ideal. There were so many times when Ohio State struggled on third down. They were five, uh, I'm sorry, they were two for 12 on third down. 
every ball on third down that is, uh, you know, unless you're going to just run a quarterback keeper or, or a dive for one yard, should be going to a Mecca or Marv first. If they're not open, go to someone else. But the re- the there's no reason that Marv wasn't targeted more on those plays. There's no reason why Marv wasn't targeted more on first and second down as well. It's it's inexcusable for a play caller to not focus on your two best players. We talk all the time about fitting the scheme that you you run for your talent. He is your talent. He is your number one player. He's the best player in college football. Figure out how to get him the ball. Now, if he, you know, he had somewhat of an injury, he came down awkwardly earlier in the game, maybe he wasn't 100%. Okay, then take him out of the game. If he's in yeah. the game, you need to target Marvin Harrison Jr. once every four plays. And that did not happen. He had eight targets. That's 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 not enough. That's just not enough. Yeah, it, it is it is crazy at eight targets and two catches. Um and to kind of our earlier point, and honestly, this this quote can be taken a multitude of different ways, but I guess Ryan Day to the media post game said he went into the game wanting to play Devin Brown more, but with the game remaining tight, he didn't think it was right to keep moving the quarterbacks in and out of the game. Which kind of implies that Kyle McCord was the starter and Devin Brown was yeah. gonna come in if Kyle McCord which was kind of what we said if Kyle McCord was able to make a gap early. Yeah. I mean, you just have to throw the ball to Egg and Harrison jr. More. They don't have to, I think in a little bit of that could be just a young quarterback, a new quarterback, not wanting to force throws maybe. So if they're not wide open, he's not throwing it. I, I don't know. Uh, it's hard I for guess. me to like, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to watch, like I'm a ball watcher, you know, like I watch yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah. So if, if it's happening and the ball is not going there, I'm probably, I'm not really watching what's, I don't know if like, I know somebody did say that he missed uh Harrison Jr. kind of was streaking down the field on one yep. of the plays wide open. So, yep. you know, I, I, I agree. He has to get the ball more. Unfortunately, he stepped, you know, that touchdown. That was a great ball by McCord. Right. He stepped out of bounds. So that would have made the stats look a little better, obviously. But, yeah, it's it's weird to see Kate Stover have almost 100 yards receiving and Harrison Jr. and Abuka have 34 total yards receiving. Yeah, you got to get them the ball more. It's that simple, especially when I, I made a joke about this, but it might be serious. Kyle McCord and Mekhek Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr. are roommates. So they have to have a, a, a team meeting or something tonight at the dinner table of like, all right, we got to figure this out. Cause yeah, you know, they, I mean that, yeah, it's the two best receivers in, in football. They got to get the ball. Yeah, Buka, no. I'm not sure he was even targeted in the second half. I mean, I felt like he wasn't even on the field. Yeah. He only had four targets in the whole game. And I mean, in fairness, Marvin Harrison Jr. And Julian Fleming, led the team with eight targets. However, some of those targets to Harrison were not not catchable at, at all. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so the fact that he only caught two of his eight targets, part of that is not his fault, but just not ideal. You have to get it to those two guys. You absolutely have to. Real quick before we go over to the defense, is Chip Trainum RB1? It looks like it. I mean, we had a former linebacker hit him with a jump cut, which was awesome. I, it's, he's He looked great. My Travion Henderson prediction did not come true. Um, mm-hmm. Of three touchdowns, he had zero. I will say he did look good in the first quarter. He kind of, they kind of just fell out of the game plan a little bit, looked like in the second half, again, probably because Chip was averaging seven yards a carry while Travion only averaged four. So uh, Mayan Williams had kind of like that great game of, he had seven touches and two touchdowns. You know, just yeah. every time they got to the 25 two, like, yards, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, come on, pork chop. You can. <laughs> it's your turn. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of what you said when I predicted Henderson would have three touchdowns. You said that you probably, you know, probably that Williams might steal some of that, you know, that those fantasy points. So, but yeah, I think he, he looked great. You know, he's their best blocker, so that also matters out there. I think that's a huge deal. I think that's actually a big yeah. reason why he he was in the game more is because you could use him for different things. When you put in Trivion Henderson, you know generally what is going to happen because he's not going to do the blocking 
that Chip is. I mean, Chip was in there as fullback at some points. So, like, right. I, I think the the dynamicism and the multifaceted approach that Chip has to being a running back, obviously having played linebacker uh, last season as well, it just makes him a little bit more versatile. I, I need to go back and look and see what the difference was in terms of the actual run designs that Trey had versus Chip. Um, I feel like they were a little bit more stretchy for Travion, which they almost never worked. Like maybe he could get five, six yards of carry on some of those, but then more often than not, they were you know stopped at the line or stopped for a loss where I feel like chip was given a little bit more opportunity to hit holes, which is what I think Trey is actually better at. He's got the quick feet. He has the burst. No, he's not going to run over guys like chip or Mayan are, but he's able to get North South. And they, I don't think they really gave him the opportunity to do that. So, We'll have to see what happens in the next couple of weeks, but you're going to need a running game with this team, especially if Kyle McCord is not going to be able to throw the ball around like CJ Stroud did. So you've got to figure out what that rotation looks like and who's going to play in what situations and what, what run designs actually fit the players that you have. And I don't think they really move forward with that on Saturday, other than to say chips really good. Chip can run the fact that he went to college because he wanted to play running back. So he went to Arizona State and Ohio State only wanted him as a linebacker. He transferred to Ohio State to play linebacker. And then he finally actually is getting what he wants to be a running back at Ohio State. And he looked pretty good. He took advantage of it. So I'm so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I mean, if you came into this game with the bingo card of most receiving yards, Kate Stover, most rushing yards, Chip Trainum, good for you. <laughs> you probably won a lot of money. Yeah, that's a heck of a parlay. I kind of thought Evan Pryor would would be above him and maybe some of the carries, and we didn't see Pryor at all. So, nope. Um, and, and and Chip earned that last year. I think he played really well last year when he got the opportunity. So, you know, it was and he he played well today, and you know he he would have sealed off a touchdown for Kyle McCord if McCord didn't run into the defender. So, yep. You know those those things are very much first time quarterback kind of you know jitters trying to you know feet move a little too quick and just kind of ran past the. Chip, who's setting that block. So, you know, it happens. But I definitely think if, if there was a takeaway from the offense today, it was you got to find a way to get Chip at least more involved. I wouldn't say, you know, you completely phase out Travion Henderson. I think no. you still need that back that has that burst. Sometimes to me, it's like he's already looking to the third level too much uh, and he's not getting past the first. And that's kind of an issue. But I, you can run all three of these running backs. I, you know, that I think that's a, a fair thing to do. I think it helps. It helps their durability. It helps all, you know, their energy levels, all of that. So, you know, Maya Williams only had seven touches, Chip only had eight, and Travion had 12. So it was kind of a nice dispersion between the three. Yeah, and they combined. I mean, the, the team did when you, I guess, if you take out the five yards that the quarterbacks had, um, they combined for 138 yards rushing. Uh, Emeka Ibuka had one rush for nine. So that's, you know, 100, you know, 30-ish yards. I, I forget the math that I just did already. But, you know, it's not bad when you divide it over three guys. But you do want to see a little bit more consistency from these guys who you think are are really big difference makers and a little bit better per carry average. But let's move over to the other side of the ball. Indiana's quarterbacks combined to go 9 for 21 for 82 yards. Rushing, they had 31 attempts for 71 yards for a 2.2 yard per carry average. The defense was lights out. They gave up a total of 153 yards, 82 through the air, 71 on the ground. They were... I mean, just tremendous throughout the game. I mean, I think I was disappointed with the pass rush that the defensive line got on their own. When they blitzed, they seemed to get, obviously, a little bit more pressure on either Soresby or Jackson, whomever was in. 
But on the whole, I thought the secondary was great. The linebackers were great. The tackling in the open field, which has been a, a major yeah. issue for the last few seasons, was really fantastic. We saw some great tackles from Davidson and McNosen and Malik Hartford. Um, a lot of guys just, I think, played really well. This was encouraging. Again, Indiana, not a great offense. But the fact that they were able to do this against an Indiana team makes me at least think that they can do it against better teams because in the past, they couldn't have done this against an Indiana team. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with my biggest takeaway, which was the the open field tackling. It was awesome to see. It was so frustrating the past couple of years seeing it, it's like it's like you do everything correct and then you just can't make a tackle at the end of the play and then they get you know two or three yards for a first down or something. I think one of the biggest, not one of the biggest plays of the game because it was a, a kind of a snooze fest game, but that tackle by Malik Hartford, um, which I thought was Arvell Reese at the time because I thought it was number 20, but I guess it was 25. Yeah, 25. But um, uh, Malik Hartford, I thought that was an awesome tackle. It's just things like th- those are the plays you have to make in the big moments, so you definitely have to make them in games like this. You know, it's only going to get better competition. So if you, you can only play who's in front of you. So if you're tackling Indiana, then you just move on and you tackle Notre Dame, you tackle, you know, you just keep tackling. That's all you can do. Um, I thought Denzel Burke was really good. He got beat yeah. on like one slant route. Other than that, he seemed pretty glued to uh, to EJ Williams, who's a pretty good receiver. Uh, he gets a little bit. He kind of gets underrated a little bit. So I like that. It looked like they had absolutely no confidence in Taven Jackson to throw the ball, which is interesting because, I mean, he's a top 200 recruit in the country. Uh, Brendan Soresby threw the ball a lot more, 16 to only five attempts for Jackson. I'm not even really sure what Jackson was doing in the game. He only threw the ball five times and he ran three times. They pretty much just ran the ball with him. It was weird. That That is the thing that Ohio State fans are mad about. Tom Allen said both of these guys are going to play. So it felt like they forced Jackson into the game just because they said it. Where Day said they're both going to play. But it didn't feel like in terms of the game flow that Brown should be in that game. So they didn't do it. So I complain about day and play calling and decision making all the time. I will say I actually think this was the right thing to do not to play Brown. Like in this game, if you're not confident, I mean, for all I know, he would have gone in and thrown five touchdown passes all to Marv or something. Who knows? But if if as the head coach, you're not confident in putting him in in situations where the game is, is not in hand, don't put him in. And I feel like that's exactly what you're talking about that Tom Allen did with Indiana is they put Taven Jackson in just because they had committed to saying we're going to put him in the game. And it's interesting because and look, Brandon Sorsby was eight for 16 for 58 yards. Yeah, he's not I'm good not either. Saying, yeah, I'm not saying this was I'm not, I'm not saying he was out there slinging the ball around. However, he did make a couple pretty good passes and it looked like, you know, he was kind of getting into a little bit of a rhythm in the end of the first quarter. And then they brought in Taven Jackson for like pretty much the full second and part of the third. Then they brought back in Soresby. And it was just like these two guys were never going to get into a rhythm if that's how you that's how you do it. And that's why I was really curious to see how Ryan Day was going to do it with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Like, when is the right time to bring in a new guy? I definitely don't think it's after an interception, but no. Never. And then obviously we learned for Ryan Day, there was just no good time because he didn't. So it's it's just it was really weird because it was kind of interesting to watch two teams come into a game, obviously in two different spectrums, but with the same kind of quarterback philosophy, like we don't really know who the guy is. We're going to play both. Indiana did do that, and it seemed like they kind of forced Taven Jackson to play when they maybe didn't. I don't know if they if didn't want him to is the word or just they didn't really know the best way to do it. While Ohio State kind of took the different route. They were like, well, we said we we're going to do this. However, we're just not. <laughs> Yeah, I want to hit some of these defensive things here real quick. Um, I thought the cornerbacks were really, really great. Again, 
Not a great passing game, not great wide receivers, not a great quarterback. But other than a pretty obvious pass interference late in the game from Davis and Ignosin, yeah. I thought they they were just lights out. I mean, they were where you were supposed to be. They got burnt a little bit. And, you know, I know Jim Knowles got a lot of flack last year because he said giving up chunk plays is part of the the scheme of his defense because it's going to happen because they're going to be aggressive. And then it ended up being like the thing that kept them from beating Michigan and winning a national championship. So, but I do think that there's something to that. Like you're going, if you're going to put, if you're going to trust a cornerback to play somebody one-on-one, eventually they're going to get beat. The wide receiver has the advantage. They know where they're going. Um, There was one, I think it was, uh, I think it was on Igbignosen where the guy just made a a great run or a great route where Igbignosen had him covered. And then he planted a foot going to the outside. Igbignosen went and tried to, you know, adjust his coverage to, to guard that. And then he cut inside and made it, you know, ended up catching a ball. I think it was on third and eight. That's going to happen. But for the most part, I think overall they were really good. I I was very impressed with them. But let me ask you this. Do you know who led Ohio State in TFLs for this game? I think I do. All right. Who do you think it is? I think it was Sonny Styles. It was Sonny Styles. Sonny Styles had one and a half tackles for loss. He led the team. Josh Proctor had one. Hero Canoe got one at the end of the game. And then... JT Tuimaloa, Jaden McKenzie, and Cody Simon all had half of one. But Sonny Styles is the man. Like, he is him, as you young folks say. Like, he's the real deal. Like, there's no reason that that man should ever come off the field except for when games are out of hand or he has, like, you know, an appendage falling off. Other than that, leave him in the game. He played spectacularly all game. And again, I'm like you. I watched the ball. So maybe there were times when he looked horrible on the back end of a play that didn't actually end up impacting what happened. But anytime the ball came near him, he blew a play up. Anytime that he could have been near a play to blow it up, it felt like he did. He just always seemed to be in the right spot at the right time. And for a kid who is making his first college start, he won't be 19 years old until the day before the Michigan game this November. It's absolutely ludicrous. So uh, I, I think the stock is super high on Sonny Styles. I think the stock is pretty high on the entire defense. So I, I think if you're going to look for silver linings for this game, you have to do it on the defensive side of the ball because I think that the defensive line has issues with getting pressure. And I think that's something that has to be addressed. And maybe the way you address that is playing different guys on the on the defensive line. But other than that, I thought everything from the defensive side of the ball was pretty spectacular. Yeah, I mean, when again, when the offense only scores 10 points in the first half and you still really have no doubt they're going to win the game, that's kind of a, a testament to how the defense was playing. Um, I, I agree. Sonny Styles is like, I think for me, talent-wise, he's he's pushing, like in my mind, generational. Like It doesn't yeah. look like there's anything he can't do. He's so fast. Even if he makes a mistake, he's so fast it can clean it up. Uh, he, he's beating guys to the boundary, which is always nice because that's something I've seen with Ohio State's defense. Maybe they don't have a lot of speed out there. So he it's he made a great play on third down that caused, you know, fourth down. Like you said, Malik Hartford on a third and four with a crossing route. That can be tough because even if you make the tackle, they normally just dive forward and get the first down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he prevented a first down like these are all young guys are stepping up, making plays. Latham Ransom made a nice play late in the game, then made a, a dumb play right after that. But, you know, it yeah. happens. Uh, I don't think Tommy I, looked great. I, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if anybody, that's another thing I, I know people wanted to see CJ Hicks, but I'm watching the linebackers and I'm like, they're all playing well. 
Yeah. Like, you know, I, I you know, it, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I get like getting other guys in and transferring out. I know that matters and stuff, but you know, it, I think that's a lot different than the Kyle McCord, Devin Brown conversation. Yeah. I mean, I want to see CJ Hicks in there as well, but steel chambers led the team in tackles. Tommy Eichenberg uh, had four tackles, three solos, like, yeah, and he's, he's the there. king of the defense. Like, he, yeah, he's an All-American. Like, I don't know. It, it, I mean, maybe you could rotate more, but, like, the whole emphasis on defense has been, like, we're not rotating this year. Like, the best guys play, except except for on the defensive line, which that's a fight between Knowles and, and Larry Johnson. But, like, linebackers and secondary, like, they're going to play the best guys. And, yeah, if if you can find opportunities to get – other guys in get CJ in like put him in. I understand that Cody Simon is a veteran. He got in. It seems like before CJ, cause I don't think I really saw CJ at all, but Cody did get in, but like Malik Hartford, true freshman looked great in his limited time. Sonny styles, 18 year old sophomore looked great. Uh, Caden Curry got in, looked great. You know, Jaden McKenzie got in, looked really good. So like, let these young guys cook and just get out of the way. Just let them do the things that they're capable of doing. Because I think if you're not getting the production from the veterans, experience doesn't matter. Like, look, Jack Sawyer, like, man, from my hometown, I love you. I wanted you to be really good. And he had four total tackles. But, like, you're an edge rusher. You need to be getting to the quarterback. Same thing with JT Tuimaloa, who I think played better. Yeah, they they both had kind of a weird game. Both of them had four tackles. They combined for a half tackle for loss. That was from JT. No sacks. Like, you you just have to get more from the defensive line in terms of pressure, and especially from the edge rushers. And we're just not getting that. So if that means Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry and and any of these other young guys you want to mix in there – Give them a run because I, we're not getting it from the the five stars that we should be. Yeah, and, and that's also where the next two games will be. It'll be interesting as Western Kentucky because, like you said, they like to just let that thing rip. So um, I'm not crazy here. That's Bailey Zappi, right? That was where he went to Western Kentucky yeah. two years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we know they're capable of at least putting together some type of offense. Uh, Youngstown State, I mean, that'll be a dove run over them. But um you know, you are probably going to face a decent offense at least before Notre Dame. So it'll be it'll yeah. be kind of interesting to see how these guys play. And like I said, I was really I was just happy to see it looked like Denzel Burke, like he was kind of celebrating a little more too. It looked like he was just kind of I think he's got a little bit of an edge to him this year of like, look, you kind mm-hmm. of forgot who I am. I, I need to remind you exactly who I am. And I I like when you can kind of tell a guy has that in him. Yeah. Um, just for reference, last season Western Kentucky led all of FBS in total passing yards with 4,929. They also led FBS. They were tied for the lead in passing touchdowns. They were second nationally in passing yards per game at 352.1. So like they throw the ball a lot. They, they uh, attempted 623 passes last season where Ohio state attempted 410. So they like were 50% more essentially of Ohio state in terms of the number of times they threw the ball last year, which is kind of crazy because I feel like Ohio state threw the ball all the time. So that is going to be an interesting uh, matchup to see what this defense does, especially the secondary and whether or not the, the defensive line can get any pressure, but all right, Justin, let's wrap up this conversation. Looking at this game as a whole in the context of it being a season opener, with a new quarterback, with a new offensive line, with young guys and new guys starting across the defense. But then also looking at it as the first step 
in what Ohio State players, coaches, and fans want to be a Big Ten and national championship winning season. How do you grade this game? You can do that on a scale of one to 10 or A, B, C, D, E or A, B, C, D, F, however you want to do it. But like looking at the macro and the micro, what, where, how did this game grade out for you? Yeah, for me, it's a pretty solid consistency. Um, I know a lot of people probably have it lower than that. At the end of the day, it was still a road conference game that you were really never in chance of losing. So that's that's a plus for me. It was your first time quarterback who I think looked a lot better as the game went on, which is what you want, obviously. Um, you know, he made, he made a couple of really nice throws, most of them to Marvin Harrison. Most of them didn't count. But he made, <laughs> even that throw to Kate Stover over the top, that was a yeah, nice piece. The seam route was just, good. Let me just yeah. put it over the top. You know, that wheel route to, uh, I think it was mine, Williams. It um, was. You know, that's just a nice, you know, good touch. Th- those throws kind of show me that he's getting more comfortable because those are throws either if you put too much on him, you overthrow him or, you know, your adrenaline's pumping. That's just a nice calm. Let me just make this easy throw. Stuff like that. Uh, if you're looking at it, like, do I think the team that showed up today is going to beat Michigan? Hell no. They're going to lose by 30. So, I mean, Michigan looked really good against East, East Carolina. Now, again, it's East Carolina, so who knows? But right. you need to be better by November. But that's two and a half months away. Uh, you know, I think the team that walked into Georgia was a whole different team that walked into Michigan last year. So, or walked, you know, into the game, I should say, not into Michigan, obviously. But you know, so that's that's where I think it's just it's hard to judge it. You know, it's the first game you're playing Indiana. You know, I'm not saying it's hard to get up for a conference game, but sometimes you just a little sluggish to start. You, you shouldn't be like that the first game. The first game you should be amped, you should be fired up. But you know, you learn from it and you move on. I think as long as you get the win and you move on, and you know, obviously, I think the main takeaways will come when they play Notre Dame. Uh, that that'll you know that's the first really good team they play. Wisconsin at for about two, I don't know if you caught any of that game for about two and a half quarters looked really bad. So then they kicked it in against Buffalo, but you know, I think it's just, it's kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird week one all around Texas looks, they struggled with rice for like two and a half quarters. It's kind of Mm -hmm. just looking around the three thirty games. We're all just like, are there any of these teams going to pull away? So, you know, they end up winning 23 to three. It's nothing crazy, but like you said, I think the defense was a, was a key takeaway. I think they looked phenomenal and I think it'll be, it's just going to come down to, you know, not only is Kyle McCord the guy, but how much trust does Ryan Day have in him? Because I do think that was an issue early on with CJ Stroud. It looked like, you know, you can see the talents there, but maybe they're not letting him loose early enough. And I think Ryan Day's even said that, like he wishes he would let CJ Stroud loose a little more early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kyle McCord made some good throws. He made some bad ones, but I, I, I think it was him that said at the end of the game, like he wanted a couple of those back, you know, it's, he's going to learn from those mistakes and, you know, you just you have to trust whoever you put in. I just hope they don't do like the back and forth, but just pick a guy and go with them. You know, whoever's going to be if they really, really struggle. OK, then pick the next guy and move on. But I really hope they don't do the back and forth, back and forth. I just never think that works. I think McCord is QB one. Like I, he, I he's QB one now against Youngstown State, especially if you want to get Devin Brown 50 percent of the snaps. I'm fine with that assuming that that game's not in doubt if it's in doubt we've got a lot of other issues yeah Yeah. well but even like but even the thing is like if 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 ohio state goes up 21 nothing in the middle of the the second quarter early second quarter like i'm fine with devin brown just playing the rest of the half like i'm fine with that you don't have to be up by 40 in that game because i don't think it's going to make the biggest difference 
But I mean, to me, I would grade the game as a B minus mainly because I think the, the difference between us is like I'm just probably overvaluing or additionally valuing the defense maybe than than you are. Um, the offense was maybe a C minus if I'm being if I'm being fair. Yeah. So I think that balances out to me with a B minus. Not what you want. Solid. It's something you can like at least write home about. But there has to be improvement. Like I have not been on the. Ryan Day has to beat Michigan or he gets fired or he's on the hot seat. Like, I just don't think that's realistic. So I don't think it's worth investing a whole lot of energy in, but he's got to make improvements. Like if, if, if he doesn't figure some of this stuff out in his own areas of areas of responsibility, then I think we have to have a real discussion because I think that a lot of the problems that Ohio state has had when they have not looked like they are up to their own capabilities have come from the head coach. And if he can't figure those things out, if he can't do the self-scouting and self-evaluation to A, realize that the problems are coming from him and B, figure out how to stop making those problems, then we do have a bigger issue. So um, we will have to wait and see what happens next week when Ohio State hosts the Penguins of Youngstown. Should be a barn burner. Uh, Let's hope at least, because otherwise we've got a lot of issues. But all right, Justin, you and I will be back on Friday to break down that game with Youngstown State. We will have a whole host of podcasts covering this game and a whole lot else moving forward throughout the course of the week. So if you're listening to this or somewhere other than in a podcast platform where you can subscribe to things, go over to Apple, go over to Spotify, go over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Land Grant Podcast Network. Also, we are still kind of being drugged down by some old reviews that have nothing to do with anybody or anything that is currently on this network. So if you like what we're doing, please give us a five-star rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thank you for listening. For Justin Golba, I am Matt Tamanini. If you want to follow us on social media, I'll put the links in the show notes. Otherwise, have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll be back to talk to you next week.